Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. It's Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Mills, sideline right for Evans. 46 seconds to play. Three-point lead for Florida State. Point, the ball stolen away by Wong. He's got Wardenberg on the wing. He lobs it to Wardenberg. Slam dunk! Slam dunk! It's a one-point game! 38 seconds to go in a 61 to 60. No timeouts for Florida State. What a wild scene Saturday at the Watsco Center. A breathtaking comeback by the University of Miami comes up just a little bit short. Welcome to the Hurricane Hotline, everyone. We will be with you for the next two hours, primarily all basketball tonight. University of Miami assistant coach Bill Courtney joins us here in one moment. Then Hurricanes head coach Jim Laranega will spend about an hour with us talking University of Miami basketball and college basketball, and we will wrap things up with Katie Meyer on the show tonight. So all of that is coming up for you. The University of Miami back on the road this week. The Canes basketball team, we will be headed for Virginia Tech tomorrow, Blacksburg, on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Miami will take on the Hokies in Blacksburg. Virginia Tech has a quick turnaround. They played on Saturday. They are playing tonight at North Carolina, and then they will play Wednesday at home hosting the University of Miami. Then the Canes will return home for enough time to practice, unload the suitcase, and back on the road for a Saturday encounter with Georgia Tech. Saturday against Georgia Tech, that's a 12 o'clock tip-off. We'll be on the air on Saturday at 11.30 a.m. We now welcome to the show uh, the man in charge of the University of Miami's offense with uh, Hurricanes basketball assistant coach Bill Courtney. Coach, good evening to you. Hey, good evening, Josie. You, Josie, how you doing? I'm doing great, and you? Doing well, doing well. Just getting ready for the next one. All right. Um, let's uh, take a quick look back, and maybe we'll uh, expand things around college basketball. But first, Saturday, how many uh, 26-point deficits have you been a part of that have come down <laughs> to the to the last shot? Quite a comeback by your team. So I tell you what, when you're in this business long enough, uh, you'll see a little bit of everything, and. I've been doing it almost 30 years. Again, nothing compared to Coach L, but in 30 years, you see a little bit of everything. And, you know, I'd say the one thing about this group 
for sure is that we're never out of a game. Um, I think they've shown already in, in several games, and particularly you think about Syracuse and the deficit we had to come back from in that game. And, um, you know, while you don't want to dig yourself that kind of hole, I think our guys understand that there's no hole too deep uh, that we can't climb out of and get competitive in the game. You told me back in November we were in Orlando Thanksgiving Day. You said, Josie, I think our offense can be pretty good. Are you where you want to be? I don't think you're ever where you want to be. Um, I, I think we're definitely pleased with where we are and, and the, the progress we've made. Um, you know, again, it starts with our guys really being good offensive players, uh, but also sharing the basketball. And we've done a terrific job of doing that throughout the year. Uh, we have some areas we can tweak and get better at uh, when we see different opponents because every game is different. Um, but we're pleased where we're at right now. Uh, but again, we got to keep trying to get better. What what do you think enabled you to get back into the game in the second half? It seemed like, well, obviously the defense led to offense, but there was more open court, more transition uh, for your team. Florida State wasn't able to set their defense. Well, that's for sure. I think part of the, the way you play good offense is to play great defense. Uh, and we were able to pick up our pressure a little bit, trap those guys a little bit, make them uncomfortable, uh, and force some turnovers. Once you force some turnovers or some quick shots, it allows us to get in transition. Um, and we made good decisions in transition in this ball game. And uh, it's a lot easier to play offense when you're not taking it out of bounds every time. Uh, when you can get a stop, whether it be a turnover or a rebound, uh, it's a lot easier to get in transition, make some plays before the defense is set. And we were able to do that a little bit on Saturday. Uh, we, you know, we played with you know kind of a, a really crazy amount of intensity in the second half when the defensive end pressuring them, forced them into some mistakes, and we're able to get into the open court. You've seen a lot of great basketball players in your coaching career. Isaiah Wong, I think, is one of the great shot makers this year in the ACC. Does he remind you of anybody in particular, or – is he just – I know he's just Isaiah Wong, but anybody come to mind for you through the years that he might remind you of? Yeah, i tell you what, it's funny. I was thinking about that today. Um, you know, he's such a terrific offensive player and, and shot maker and makes easy shots, hard shots, you know, puts so much pressure on the defense with his ability to get to the rim and finish through contact. Uh, in that way, he reminds me of a kid I coached at University of Virginia, a kid named Sean Singletary, who was an oh, yeah. absolutely terrific player in the ACC uh, and his ability to get to the basket, finish through contact, draw fouls, get to the foul line, and yet still make perimeter shots. Sean, Sean was very much that way. And Isaiah is, you know, probably a little bigger than Sean, uh, but really got a lot of similarities in their game. Yeah, he was a flamethrower, Sean Singletary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a really, really good player. Had an incredible amount of toughness, which Isaiah does too. And the thing about Isaiah, he's steady every single day. He's going to give you great effort. Um, you know, he's just, you know, come to practice every day, work hard. He's a very low-maintenance guy. It's terrific to have a guy like that, that you know what to expect from him every day. And now, I gotta, now I'm scratching my head trying to think of the guy. Maybe you coached him with Seth at, at, uh, at Virginia Tech. He was a heck of a guard, great scorer when he got hot. Uh, he was tough to slow down, and now I'm drawing Malcolm a blank. Delaney. So, uh, oh, Delaney was really good. But right in that era, maybe right before we're on the same team, uh, was Eric it a Brazil? Oh, now Eric Green. Now you guys had a lot of good scores there. <laughs> I coach a lot of those guards that like to shoot. <laughs> yeah. The secrets of being a great coach have great guards. Yeah, no question. Well, uh, was he a Brazilian kid that, that you guys had? 
Uh, yeah, I didn't coach him. I was at Virginia at that time. Oh, okay. So he was a opponent. He was, but I can't names escaping me yeah. right now. But I know exactly who you're talking about. He was. The, he was the opponent then. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it'll come to me in a moment. Um, you know, uh, Virginia Tech, your next opponent. They're going to play uh, play Carolina tonight. I'm watching Wake play Boston College. They played Carolina on Saturday. Florida State played North Florida on Thursday, then played uh, the University of Miami on Saturday. Some of these games are bunched up because they're trying to make them up because they were canceled earlier in the year. And I thought, man, some of these guys, maybe they'd be tired. On the other hand, Florida State came out like they were shot out of a cannon, much like Wake Forest is doing tonight against Boston College. Do you think that's because these kids are so accustomed to playing basketball through the AAU circuit? Yeah, I think that certainly helps. Um, I think that, you know, they're so used to it during the summertime, playing three and four games a day. Uh, and then I, I think the coaches do a great job of kind of making sure they get the proper amount of rest because, you know, even if you play a game Saturday, you know, you play hell all Sunday, but you're going to come back Monday and have a hard practice. Um, so, you know, they get themselves ready for the game. In Florida State's case, I don't think it makes too much difference when they play because they play so many guys. Uh, it's hard for those guys to get tired, um, you know, and, you know, I think that that's a big deal with those guys. And so they were able to play that game on Thursday and have a ton of energy ready on Saturday afternoon. I know I'll talk to Coach L about this, but we should dive into that with Florida State. Uh, they started the two seven-footers. They're not a play- I don't know how many teams play two seven-footers at the same time, but that really suffocates the paint, right? It really makes it hard yeah. when your guards are staring at two guys uh, that are seven feet tall. Well, they're certainly one of the best defensive teams in the league, if not the country. Uh, and I think you can see those guys getting better. I and mean, they have some young guys on the team who have really improved as the years progress. Uh, and I think, you know, because they have that size and length and athleticism, it allows them to, in their switching defense to really guard. And if you do beat them, you know, there's a couple of really tall, long guys waiting for you at the paint. Uh, and that's what makes it hard to beat those guys and score near the basket. You know, you have to beat them in transition or you have to throw it out to open guys and move the ball and make some perimeter shots against them. The guy that really, I thought, carried them the other day was Anthony Polite. Oh, he was absolutely terrific, in particular yeah. in, the set, in the first half. Um, you know, he really hurt us. You know, he made shots, um, which is, you know, he, he's been billed as a shooter for his first couple of years. He wasn't shooting well this year, but he hit a couple of big shots. He hurt us on the offensive glass, and he did, did a great job of driving to the basket. He had a very good game for them. Hurricanes assistant coach Bill Courtney is our guest on the Hurricane Hotline. Coach L joins us in a little bit, then Katie Meyer as well on the show. Uh, you've studied a lot of offense in college basketball. Where Where is offense today? in college basketball. Has it been uh, as big a transition in college basketball of spreading the floor, shooting the three as we've seen in college football, you know, spreading the field and hurry up offense? Has it had the same effect in college basketball that we saw in college football? Yeah, I think so, Joe. I mean, I don't know if it's quite to that point yet, uh, as you see all the spread offenses in college football, but there's certainly a lot of five-out offenses in college basketball, and I think obviously that's the way the game is headed if you look at you know, a lot of the NBA teams are playing that way. Shoot, look right down the street at the Miami Heat, and, you know, Bam Adebayo is playing point guard a lot of the time now, and he's initiating the offense from the top of the key and, and that area in the center of the floor and, you know, making passes and guys are cutting. Um, so I think that really is the way that the modern game is going. Um, you still you got – there's always a place for a guy that you can throw it to inside and can score and rebound and stuff like that. But even 
you look at even Florida State, they got John Butler, who's a seven-footer, who plays almost exclusively on the perimeter. So I think you're seeing that a lot of kids grow up. Uh, they don't necessarily want to be pigeonholed into being a low-post guy. Uh, they want to get on the perimeter and develop their skills and be able to show the things they can do on the outside. And so, you know, by the time we get them, I think a lot of guys have developed those skills. Bill Courtney is our guest. Uh, Charlie Moore has been a great addition to the University of Miami. You, uh, you were the one that were, uh, you were the lead recruiter on Charlie. Can you take us through that story? Yeah, it's interesting because you know I was at DePaul University for a couple of years, and, and towards the end of my tenure there, right around May, um, a couple of years ago, Charlie made his visit from Kansas. He was going to transfer uh, back home to Chicago. His father was going through some health problems, and so uh, he decided to transfer closer back to home to Chicago. Um, I was working for Dave Lado at the time. You know, two years go by, Dave gets released uh, last spring, uh, and I knew we needed a point guard. And so, you know, that was an immediate call immediately when he, you know, went into the transfer portal, called him that night. We were on a Zoom like two days later. Uh, I think maybe a week and a half or two weeks later, he committed to us. Uh, it was a lot of familiarity uh, with the fact that I'd been there on his visit. And I knew Charlie was around for the when he first got to DePaul. Um, also, Coach Lado, Dave Lado. Um, you know, a guy I worked for at Virginia and DePaul put in a good word for us that, you know, this would be a good spot for Charlie. And I think it was, you know, need and, and fit for him. Uh, he, I think he saw a great opportunity to come in. And, you know, which I told him, hey, you got some scores here that you're not going to have to carry this on your own. Uh, you're going to be able to play point guard and really get everybody involved. And I think that was kind of music to his ears. Um, and I think he looked at the history uh, that Coach Ellis had with his point guards and his success those guys have had here in Miami, back at George Mason at Bowling Green. Uh, and I think he knew it was a great opportunity for him. Uh, and he decided to take it right away. He made a great move late in the game. It actually would have won the – well, he had two plays that would have won the game, and both of them, uh, it was unkind. One, he made, he made a great penetration move to get into the lane late in the game with a little runner, and the basket just kind of burped it out on him. And, and yeah. the second one – was and I still don't quite understand it, but I guess maybe Ray the ball went off of Ray Styans. I don't know, but I thought Charlie was going to oh. have an uncontested layup. Oh, that 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 was crucial. I mean, everybody remembers Isaiah's shot at the end of the game, uh, but the play before when Charlie basically had a steal, and we still we looked at the film. We can't tell whether it, you know his foot went out of bounds or it bounced off Ray Styans or what happened. But yeah, he definitely had it to go down there for a layup, but. You know, unfortunately, he didn't get the call. We didn't get the call, and um, you know, we still had an opportunity to win the game. But uh, yeah, those were those almost almost their plays that you know, in a close game, you really want to be able to make those. Yeah, I looked at it about five times today, and then I tried to do tried to figure it out and say, okay, wait a minute. If he ruled that Charlie was out of bounds, then that would have been possession, right? And then the shot clock would not have been at one. They would have got a uh, fresh shot clock, and if he ruled right. that. He was at if he ruled that um, their player was out of bounds, then it would have been Miami ball right away, and uh, so I don't know. I guess he must have ruled that he got in the way, but I thought Mills clearly turned the ball over. But hey, now, well, you know what? I, what could have happened is it might have when Charlie knocked it away, it might have hit Ray Stein's foot. I oh. think that's that's what maybe was the call that it hit the referee, and then he decided it was their ball with a second to go on the shot clock. Okay. Well, bad luck, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, you mentioned yeah. you, you, you mentioned your time at DePaul. Do, do the fans there still remember Ray Meyer? 
Oh, absolutely. He's a legend. He's a legend yeah. at DePaul. He's a legend in Chicago. One of the, the biggest legends in college basketball history. Oh, for sure. He's he's not almost as synonymous with uh, Chicago as the, as the Daly family. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, yeah. That was a, those were some great teams they had in the 70s. I like to reminisce on some of those uh, great teams uh, in college basketball. Certainly DePaul had had some of those. What is it like for you, second time around, I guess it is, to work with Coach L? Oh, unbelievable. I mean, obviously you talk about one of the best coaches in college basketball history, uh, a terrific human being um, with unbelievable, you know, just belief in his players and care for his players. Uh, it really is a joy. Um, you know, when I first worked for him, I was just getting the business. I was 25, 26 years old at Bowling Green. And, you know, he basically taught me everything. Um, and as I went on and worked for him for another eight or nine years at BG and at George Mason, just learned so much uh, and took that with me to some of my other stops as an assistant coach in this league and uh, as a head coach. And, you know, almost everything I did was similar or mirrored some of the things that Coach L did um, in his program. And, you know, since I've been back with him, it's just been tremendous. You know, we've had an incredible friendship, uh, an incredible mentorship he's given to me throughout the years. Uh, you know, I, I don't really even consider him a coworker. He is family. His sons are family. I coach both of those guys. They're family. Um, and being down here in Miami has just been wonderful. Can you uh, take our listeners through what it's like watching Coach L during the course of a game? Okay, you're down 26. You're not swimming in good options, right? But he has, I think, an amazing way of going into the idea factory and figuring out uh, what's the best path back into a game, whether you're down 26 or whether it's a more conventional game. He doesn't panic, but I think he sees the game maybe differently than some others. What, can you take our, our, our audience and our listeners through what you experience as an assistant coach? Well, he always tells our, our players, don't play the game, don't play the score, play the game. So whether we're up or whether we're down, he wants our guys to be consistent in what they're doing and don't change what they're doing because we're either up or down. Uh, continue to play the game the correct way. But he also sees the game. He said a joke. He sees the game like no other person I've ever been around. I've been around a lot of very good coaches. Uh, I've been a lot of, around a lot of good players. But he can see things in the game and make adjustments on the fly like nobody I've ever seen. You know, he'll say something like, oh, we should have did this. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how do you know that? He has almost like a photographic memory joke. Yeah. Like yeah. He, he cannot watch the film and can tell you about a play that happened in like 1989 that a team did. It's, it's right. unbelievable. I know you've been around and seen him do it. Yeah, I'm, he's like, BC, do you remember the play in 1996 when Antonio did this and we picked right. Jay on this? I'm like, Coach, I have no idea what you're talking about. But he remembers that stuff. And it's the same thing as the game's going on live. He can pick up certain tendencies and certain things that when we go in at halftime, he's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. So when he does that, the kids get so much confidence knowing, hey, this is what Coach L said we're going to do. All right, this is going to work because it's worked before. Uh, and it's unbelievable his ability to do that. It really is. Uh, uh, he, uh, to me, he's like, a, he's like a quarterback on the sidelines or, you know, a great coach, I guess, you know, you, who uh, – I asked him one time uh, a couple weeks ago, why'd you run such and such play? Really worked to perfection. And he said, uh, because their player, a particular player, uh, was jumping the passing lane all the time, three times in a row. So we just waited for the right time for him to take the bait. Yeah, no, it's unbelievable. And because, 
you know, again, my job is to capture in the office and see, you know, some of the tendencies of what guys are doing and how they're playing certain things. Uh, but a lot of times he sees it before I do. Um, it's really amazing his ability to watch a basketball game differently than most people in the world. I mean, it's, it's really uncanny the way he does it. Um, and, he, and, and, again, being a head coach, you have so many responsibilities and you're thinking about so many things, whether it's defense, offense, substitution patterns, fouls, whatever it may be, there's tons of things to think about. And for him to have that ability to kind of break it down in game while things are going on, it really is amazing. I did want to ask you one more thing, and that is this, and and maybe for you and several other players like Isaiah, maybe even Cam, probably most of them, to be honest with you, the Watsko Center was unlike anything we've seen in maybe four years, certainly the last three, uh, maybe even better than uh, some of the great years that we had when, when it was being sold out, the energy, the passion, the noise. What was that like for you to see? what the Watsko Center was like on Saturday, and the possibilities of what it could be all the time. Joe, that was unbelievable on Saturday. And you got to remember, I've been you know coaching the ACC a while and at different yes. schools. And you know I've been at Virginia Tech where it was super loud and been at Duke, obviously, a couple of weeks ago where it was super loud. There was no building louder than the Watsko on Saturday. It was unbelievable. When, when uh, <laughs> I mean, it was just really throughout the game, the crowd was in it from right from the beginning. And when Coach Cristobal got out there and started saying, <laughs> let's go, Kane, I didn't, Joe, I didn't, you know, I'm in the huddle, so I didn't know what was going on. And I look around, I see him on the mic, and he said, let's go, Kane. It was absolutely deafening, and every single person was on their feet. I had my, you know, the kid, Max Drews, who plays for the Heat, I coached him at uh, DePaul, and he came to the game with Gabe Vincent. And, you know, you can see those guys during timeouts jumping up and down, so excited, so into the game. You know, part of that is the comeback and all that stuff. And right. But it was an unbelievable college basketball experience. I know our players absolutely loved it and really appreciated the crowd, especially the student section. You know, if we could have crowds like that, that would just be tremendous for us as we have our next few home games. Well, you've done a great job with this University of Miami offense. Uh, almost 80 points a game in ACC play. A couple of big ones coming up, Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech. I know you are you are zeroing in on Virginia Tech. Thank you for being with us on the show, and I'll see you tomorrow as we get ready for Virginia Tech. Thanks, Josie. Really appreciate you having me. Okay, Coach, take care. That's uh, Bill Courtney joining us here on the Hurricane Hotline. Around the corner is Jim Laranega. He'll be joining us here uh, momentarily. You know, uh, at this point, you just want things to always go right, right? You want things to go right. You want things to be nice and easy all the time. And there is one place where things will always go right, where it's always going to be easy, where there'll be no hassles, nobody badgering you, nobody making you uh, speed things up, and that is at Williamson Buick GMC. You can choose from the GMC Yukon, which has been coined as the boldest, most impressive Yukon ever, or the GMC Sierra, which has made top-level engineering and capability the new rule. Then there's the 2022 GMC Canyon with its powerful and innovative features that are engineered and built for all of your adventures to come. Don't miss out any longer. You don't want to be hassled. You don't want to be badgered. You want to walk through a dealership where it's nice and calm and get a great deal. No place better than with Ed Williamson and Williams Williamson Buick GMC. They have a state-of-the-art facility. It's easy to find. US 1 and 104th Street, just south of the Palmetto Expressway. You can check everything out before you even get there. 
you can go online at WilliamsonAutomotiveGroup.com. Williamson Buick GMC, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.